Photography has evolved from being a way of documenting the world to a way of communicating. I would say there's always been too many photographs in the world, but there's never too many good ones. The way you photograph something and the way you light something should be as beautiful as you can make it. Business, creative, kit and careers. Find out about the world's leading photographers and filmmakers in Shutter Stories. In this week's episode, we're talking with Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist Daniel Etter. Daniel's worked all around the world, documenting everything from war zones and refugee crises to the traditions of Italian circuses. In 2018, he travelled to Romania to document the lives of coal miners in a trip that presented him with some of the toughest shooting conditions of his career. Hi Daniel, thanks for talking to us today. So can you take us right back to the beginning? Tell us how you first got started in photography. So when I started photography, I was using, I was uh, doing sports photography mostly. Uh, I was in the early 2000s and I was using film cameras, um, also 6x6 with a lot of like equipment with lights and everything. And around the mid-aughts, I got my first digital camera, which was a Canon 20D, I think. So what is your day job generally involved and what is it that you're then looking for in your cameras? Most of the time I'm shooting news and documentary photography. So it means I, I travel a lot. I shoot events that, that can't be repeated, that like happen just in, in front of me. And I try to be there and record things as they're happening. So the most important thing for, for me is to have a camera that's absolutely reliable and, you know, takes a photo when I wanted to take a photo and like even under really adverse convi- uh, condition it just keeps on working. What do you usually shoot with? For my work most of the time I use a Canon 5D Mark IV so it's um, a good balance of, of size and, and robustness and reliable like I mean most of the cameras are really reliable but it's something that, that is sealed um, that is you know doesn't matter if it gets a bit wet and um, doesn't matter if it's really dusty and uh, it keeps working at the same time it's not too big and not too heavy. So we're going to be talking about your trip to the Romanian mines in a moment which was obviously an exceptionally dark environment but generally speaking how much are you working in low light? I'm actually working quite a lot in low light. Um, I think all of the image or most of the images that had an impact in my career that were important in my career. Um, most of the images I really like, most of the images I'm attached to were taken in the early morning hours or um, in the afternoon, in the late or early, early night. Um, so I, I'd say like, I, mean, I can't put, put numbers to it, but I think a good portion of my work is in low light. It, gives you a very different palette to to play with i think you know it's like and it's something during the day everything is like stays the same basically you you have one source of light and it's what we're used to seeing and it's what we're always seeing um but it doesn't change and at night you have like different sources of light and like natural light just moving in there and um, artificial lights you can play with. I wouldn't call it a game, but like it's, yeah, it's you have more variety to choose from and more things to play with. 
So tell us about the coal mines. What drew you to the project? What fascinated me about the coal mines is they're a relic of of a past which doesn't exist anymore. It's basically uh, left over from from communism that still you know reaches into present day, um, and it's it's changing at the moment. So this this region where I was photographing was probably one of the most mono-industrial areas in, in all of Europe. At least 80% of the people who worked there worked in coal mines. Um, so there's like a dramatic shift happening with these mines closing. And when you go there, when you see this place, you know, it doesn't look like it's still working. It looks like it was abandoned 20, 30, 40 years ago. It is crumbling. It is, you know, there's like abandoned lorries lying around, mangled up steel pipes and and beams. And yet still there's like people people working there underground uh, in a place that you don't really expect to to exist in Europe anymore. And, And of course, coal is something not only in this place, but overall in the world is something that is a uh, relic from the past and currently phased out all over the world. So it has a um, political dimension as well, because it, when you look at the U.S. And, and, and especially the U.S., it's something very political and something people connect with, with the good old, good old times. But in, in reality, it's an extremely hard job and conditions you wouldn't imagine to exist anymore um, anywhere in Europe. So what were the realities like compared to what you expected to find there? So when I went there, well, before I went there, before I had any idea of how it looks, I was expecting something less archaic, basically, and something that is a bit more modern, really. You know, you, you go in there for a good hour through like absolute darkness. The only light you have is the headlamp on your hat and... The further you go in, the narrower it gets. Sometimes you have to crawl on all fours to 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 get further in, and then you have um, these um, belts running right next to you that get the coal out, and you have to like to squeeze along them. So it's a really intimidating place, and it's really claustrophobic. Like then suddenly you get at the end where people are working, and you know it's not only extracting the coal, but it's like enforcing the shafts all the time, putting the belts further. So there's like enormous amount of labor that goes into getting this coal out. So and it obviously only works when when you have when you have people willing to work for, for very little money or when they have no other economic opportunities. I mean it's quite ambitious that you were wanting to photograph in a coal mine. I can't imagine that there was like any light at all. So how difficult were the conditions for photography? Even for me, these were like the most difficult conditions I've, I've ever photographed in uh, because everything is changing all the time. And I think for most people, it's like an environment you never, you never shoot in, you never work in. Because I really can't find an example that you can, can compare it with. Even if you're shooting like in really low light conditions, there's always you know, something constant most of the time, uh, some constant source of light, uh, something you can plan with, you can work with, you know, wh- where it's going to be um, and how it's going to look. And, and But 
<laughs> down there. It's just like changing all the time. It was really challenging and um, really difficult for, for me to work there. What were you hoping to capture down there? Um, the work down there is much more labor than, than mechanized, which I didn't expect. I expected it to be to be more mechanized, to be more automated, but it's really just like hard labor as people working with pickaxes and like jackhammers and carrying around these like big steel pillars that are filled with water um, that weigh more than like 100 kilos. Uh, so it's really, really, really tough work. So I was hoping to to show just that, like how how labor intensive it is and how hard it is to to work down there. You also took some portraits of the miners as well as in the mines themselves. How did you approach that? You know, when when people when the miners get out after a shift of work, their their faces are black. Uh, you know, they have like coal under their eyes. They have like coal in all the and all the pores and this is obviously something that is very visual and it's like a good way to to show under which conditions they're working. So I I did a few portraits afterwards um, of, of these coal miners. And you know, in most jobs, you don't really see how people work. But in, in this case, it's like very clear from the way they look, their jobs are in their faces. They're like, almost like a direct representation of what they do. You know, the dirt, the grit, um, the, the exhaustion that, that is really in the faces. So focusing on their faces. Uh, but at the same time, that place, it looks, as I said, it looks like a relic from the past. It's crumbling. There is um, a lot of mangled up equipment lying around. It's dusty, it's dirty. Uh, so the environment is quite striking and and quite beautiful in the sense as well so i i d did a few portraits um of not the miners um but people working around the mines of course when you when you come out of the mine the first thing you do well you hand in your your headlamp to get it recharged again and then you 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 take a shower and you know they have this big shower rooms where they all shower together and there's a guy in the cellar whose only job it is to fill these old ovens to heat up the water for the showers with with coal, and he's um, he's working down there with this like gigantic heaters and um, you know like water is dripping from everywhere because the pipes are leaking and steaming and you know this guy's only job is is to uh, to get warm water for uh, for the miners uh, to take a shower afterwards. Do you have any favorite images from the shoot? Can you describe them? Most of the work is not really like digging coal out, but enforcing the walls because the mountain, they're constantly, the rocks are constantly moving and they're shifting around the coal. So they have to constantly adjust the pillars they have down there in order not to have the whole thing collapse. And these pillars are steel and they're like filled with water to like pump them up, to pressurize them and to you know, like lift up um, steel beams on the top of these um, shafts. So this is really hard work. And like one guy carries them on the shoulder and another guy carries it down below, but it's really like 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters. So I have a photo of like two guys working on these pillars and, you know, like there's 
lights crisscrossing through the images and the beam is there and this guy is holding it since it was like one of the places where it was really hot like it smelled like a sauna weirdly enough um so everybody was like bare chested um, and sweating at the same time there was like dust coming from everywhere i think i got a really good photo that like really transports the way uh, the conditions are down there in a, in a visual way so like you've said they were exceptionally dark conditions and you weren't using a flash so what were you shooting with for this so I was trying out an EOS R, um, trying to see how it performs under really, really difficult uh, circumstances. It was like, honestly, the, the most difficult circumstances I've ever photographed under. Because of the, the gases that are in those mines, you can't have electricity in there. So there's no light except the headlamps, and they're like specially sealed. So you have either it's like entirely black or you have like really bright, bright light. I really like pushed the camera to its limits in terms of low light capabilities, but also in terms of like dynamic range and uh, focus, of course. It's so dark that like my eyes can't really see anymore which part of my image is like in, exactly in focus. So I have to rely on, on the autofocus. So definitely I, I knew that I was like, getting images. It was just very difficult. And I was shooting way more than I would normally shoot. And since, you know, the, the headlamps are like changing the light situation every, not even every second, a couple of times each second, it was much more of a lottery than what I'm normally used to, to shooting. So normally you can compose perfectly and like, you know, get phases in there and like have the perfect crop. Uh, in this case, it was really about like getting a situation and like hoping that that the right light is there in that moment. And what was the whole setup? So the setup of my camera was very simple. I had a USR. I had um, battery grip on it, and I used a 50 mil 1.2 lens, and sometimes a 35. But obviously, you don't want to change the lens when it's like dusty and coaly. I used the the 50, even though it was quite narrow it was still wide enough to to get everything that is that was happening there and i could at the same time i could shoot wides and like do details as well normally what i used to do with a 5d mark IV is have the focus point in the middle and then focus on something and then move around the frame the thing i liked about the ears r was that you can use the screen as a as a touch screen to move around the focus uh, point so I, I use that quite often, which I've never done before. It's like moving the focus point around in, in, in the frame in the camera, which, which really, really helped. And especially since the resolution of the camera and the lens is so high and I was shooting with a wide open aperture. So you really have to get things like spot into focus. And uh, that really helped. How much importance do you put on image resolution? It is definitely important for me to have like a file that I that I can work on, that I have a good dynamic range, you know, also like get details in the shadows and like get not the, the lights blown out, especially in this case, because it's like really extreme, like dark and like extreme light at the same time. So uh, I want to be able to work a little bit on, on both ends of, of the light on this image. 
well, it sounds trite, but like I like my sound, my files to be be clean and and, and sharp. Um, in the first place, I you know, like the camera is a tool that you use for for your work, and people always say, oh, it's not about the camera, it's about the photographer, but it's something that has to work together and. Uh, both elements have to come together and, you know, form the image at the end. I believe there was a fatal accident in the mine while you were out there. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Apart from the, you know, like the physical difficulties, the, the extremely manual labor these men work on, uh, it's also incredibly dangerous. You know, there's the safety standards are probably not up to what they would be and in here in, in England or in Germany or in other Western European countries, there there's been a lack of investment. And um, of course, this is uh, very dangerous. And, and sadly, we were, like me and my translator, were in a shaft uh, photographing one day. And, and the next morning, part of the shaft collapsed and killed the miner and... The thing is, you have to keep working in, in these mines. If you don't, the mountains, the movements of the mountain, of the rock will destroy the shaft. So you have to keep adjusting the pillars. Uh, you have to keep adjusting the, the steel beams in order for the whole thing not to collapse. So the, the same people who were down there when the shaft collapsed and killed one of the colleagues they had to go back the next morning and, and keep working there. It's hard to imagine that, you know, there are still jobs around in Europe where you face these dangers. And I wasn't expecting this. I thought it was like more predictable and safety standards would be higher than, than what I encountered there. Did it affect how you felt about telling the story? Yeah, certainly, you know, like when... We were down there and never felt unsafe. You know, it was like crazy and, and crass to see the conditions, but I, you know, people were just there. They seemed quite relaxed and, and then you, you felt safe there too. And then like suddenly you hear news that somebody died just hours after you were there and suddenly the whole risks, risk becomes more uh, apparent and, and becomes something that is real all of a sudden it didn't really change the way i wanted to tell the story but it definitely was something i was just like going back over and over again because it's just like a matter of luck and a matter of timing so why do you think it's important to document stories like this i mean with the work i do is um you know you always want to show things that are not seen things that are in the dark, um, things where you think that there's a possibility to change or that is something people should know about. And in, in this case, I mean, you know, I probably, I don't think my photos will have an impact in, in terms um, of these mines being closed or bettering the work conditions of, uh, of these people. But um, it's still so something that I think people should be aware of just in terms of like, well, for me, you know, like I go there for a few hours, you know, like you get sweaty, you get dirty, but in the end, I'm just photographing there. My life is quite easy. And 
you know, you get a different perspective of, of the privileges you have in, in your life. Because, um, you know, like if I had been born in that area in Romania, there's basically no other option. Either you, you immigrate, you go to Germany or Spain or Italy to work, uh, or you stay there and work in the mines. You know, like it's generations of people who work there. Um, and now it's changing, of course, because opportunities in the mines are going down. But like if you'd been born there uh, 30, 40 years ago, that was your destiny. That was like what you had to do in life, basically. If if you didn't like put up a real effort and, and try to move to a bigger city and try to break out of this. And, and all the work I do and most of the work I do is like, you know, you suddenly get a perspective of, of the privileges you have. I think that is always something that drives me and i think that is always something that is important when i photograph to to show to other people thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of shutter stories you can rate and subscribe in the episode's listing to find more stories and to find us on social you can click on the links in the episode's description